morning is from Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 41. In the Bible in the pew in front of you, that would be on page 772, 772. Uh, Peter is giving the first sermon. He's uh, just finished telling his audience about how um, uh, this Jesus that they had crucified is the Lord and the Christ. And this is their response, starting in verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who were far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. One of the blessings that we've had for the last couple of months is to have a family with us from the Philippines. Uh, Hayden Flores is the father of our own Carol Flores, and he and his wife have been here for, as I said, the last couple of months. And they are preparing to go back to the Philippines this week. Hayden is a preacher and preaches for a church in the Philippines. And he is going to come. Hayden, please come. And he's going to come and uh, just kind of give us a word of greeting and say hello and goodbye before he heads for the Philippines. And Hayden, it's been a wonderful blessing to have you with us for the last little while. I'm grateful that you've been here. And when you're finished, I'll pray for you and your work in the Philippines. Thank you. Okay? Please. Grab my Bible here. Thank you, Brother Kelly. Good morning. I thank God for the privilege of speaking in front of the big congregation as this. Never I, th uh, I thought that we can come to this wonderful place. But God is so good. He allowed us to be uh, here for a short vacation and be with our daughter, Carol. I'm so happy that we had a chance to worship God with you for three months and meet Filipino friends and Sham Muhammad. He's so kind to me, to us. Brother Ernie, uh, Amanti, and Jojo. I would like to speak also in our vernacular language. Salamat sa inyo. Kayo ang unang nag-anyaya sa amin sa pagpunta sa Canmore at nagkaroon tayo ng fellowship na mas lalong nagpatibay sa relasyon bilang isang magkakaibigan at bilang magkapatid sa Panginoon. Again, I thank you so much for listening to this simple message and I beg you to please pray for our 
safe uh, safe trip back to home to the Philippines on October 25. Thank you and God bless us all. I'd like to pray for you, Thank okay, you. and pray for your work. Would you bow with me, please? Lord God, your word goes forth throughout the world. And there are people who everywhere are proclaiming you as Lord, who've given their lives to you, continue to serve you, who call other people to serve and honor you. And I know that Hayden does that. And I'm grateful, Lord, that you put people like him in places like the Philippines so that he can know of you, be your child, and then share with others the good news of Jesus. And Father, we ask your blessing on his work as he travels back to the Philippines. Please be with his church, be with him as he works with them. Father, we pray that they would be able to communicate in a powerful way the good news of Jesus to the people of the Philippines and draw them to you. Give him strength. Give him clear words, clear understanding of your word. Help him to persevere under whatever circumstances he must endure. Father, help him to, to do and be your servant all that you want him to do. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. What Hayden does, what so many of us do, in proclaiming the good news of Jesus is so clearly what God wants of us. When I read Acts chapter 2 and I see the, uh, the dynamic there that the Spirit brings into the church and I ask the question, what does the Spirit want to do? Why does the Spirit come at all? The Spirit's certainly there to bless and bring comfort. But more than anything... It seems to me that from the beginning, the purpose of the Spirit was to talk about Jesus. And so when the Holy Spirit comes on those individuals right at the very beginning, right in Acts chapter 2, when the tongues of fire come on them, what do they do? They immediately begin to speak about Jesus. And they don't have the, the languages to speak to all the people there. And so God gives them the languages with the express purpose of them speaking about Jesus. And then the text says in verse 14 of chapter 2 in Acts that Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and begins to address the crowd. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what is it exactly that motivates Peter to suddenly stand up and begin to address the crowd? Some people have already been preaching. They've been preaching for a while. And then Peter gets up and begins to address the crowd. Why? What is it that's going on that makes Peter want to do that? In fact, to ask the question of, of this, I think, is, is a, good, a, a good approach to this. What is it that Peter himself is feeling on the inside as he begins to speak? He stands up to preach about Jesus, and what is his motivation? What's on his mind? What's he doing? And, of course, I think the answer is relatively clear. Peter once is motivated to speak specifically about Jesus. 
for the benefit of the people there so that they can hear about Christ and something can happen in their lives. Believe it or not, when a preacher stands up to preach on a Sunday morning, he actually is hoping that something good will come of the things that he says. I never get up just so that I can hear my voice through the speakers. If I wanted to, I could do that when you're not here during the week. I could just stand up here all by myself and just talk so I could hear my voice. But I don't. I've heard it enough. Some of you are thinking, so have we. So that's not the motivation. Instead, I'm hoping that somehow there's some good that will come out of what I'm saying. I'm hoping that there will be something helpful that is said. And so today, I hope that I can say something helpful to somebody. In fact, I must admit that today, always, but certainly today, because we're talking from Acts chapter 2, and because Peter stood up and had this motivation to speak to the world about Jesus so that they could hear about Christ and come to him, my motivation right now for a few minutes is at least partially to speak to those who may not know him. And so in the spirit of Peter, in fact, I would say with the Holy Spirit, I'd like to say this morning that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't given yourself to Christ, if he's not the most significant thing in your life, then this morning I want to make it clear that I think you should consider that. And I'm going to say some things in a few minutes about how important it is that you take seriously the good news of Jesus. So that's part of what I want to do this morning. But also, I want to say to the rest of you who already know Christ that I think it's fascinating that Peter stands up to speak. That the Holy Spirit comes on these people in the church and that he begins to speak on behalf of God to people so that they can hear about Jesus. And it's very clear to me from the moment that Peter, or that Jesus first says, you shall be my witnesses, to the point where Peter then receives the Spirit himself and begins to speak. It's very clear to me that God purposes that human beings who respond to him, will be talking to other human beings about him, witnessing on behalf of Jesus. And so when Peter begins to, as we've already heard this morning, preach, he talks about how God has worked with the people in the past, how God chose a special people to be his. He talks about how these men of Israel need to listen to the fact that something new has happened. This is in verse 22. Jesus of Nazareth was the man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And so Peter makes the point that these people need to hear about Jesus because their sins have in fact put him on the cross. And you and I, we know people whose sins put Jesus on the cross. They were called from the very beginning to bear witness to the fact that Jesus had died on behalf of the world and takes away those sins. And we also, like Peter, have this responsibility. So when Peter preaches, he's certainly preaching to people who don't know Christ, but he's also speaking to those who... Years later are going to have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to know the good news of Jesus and to communicate it with other people. 
And so this morning, I was telling people earlier this week, I'm preaching the most preached sermon in the history of the churches of Christ today. Do you wonder at that, Bill? Bill's head just cocked. I said that and Bill went, really? I'm preaching the most preached sermon in the history of the churches of Christ. But it's not just our preaching, our sermon. It's the one from the very beginning. It's the one that was there at the very beginning about who Jesus is. And we have the responsibility of communicating ourselves that sermon. But then as we do, we have the responsibility of communicating that to the people who really need to hear it. The people in the world who don't know Christ. And so as I said, if you don't know Jesus this morning as your Lord and Savior... I, for one, and maybe there'll be others who today want to communicate with you the good news of Christ and what it is that Jesus has done. Peter stood up and said to these men, men of Israel, listen to this. And I'm exhorting to you, I'm exhorting you today to listen for just a few few moments to this message simply about who Christ is. Now, the fact is, these people, Peter tells them, are sinners. And whether you know it or not, if you're a person who has not given your life to Jesus, there is sin in your life, simply the transgression of what God wants you to do and what he wants you to be. Now, if you don't know Jesus this morning as your personal savior and you look around and you think, oh, am I the only sinner here? Let me explain to you that you're not. If you were to turn your head to either side, unless, of course, you're on one of the end aisles, then you're going to see that there are people around you everywhere who also sin. They are not what God wants them to be, at least some of the time. And so that makes you very much like them. The difference is, is that they have understood, they've heard what it is that Jesus did. And Peter in his sermon goes on to talk about this. He talks about how these people put the Lord of glory on the cross and killed him. Now that was their particular sin that he addresses, but there's all kinds of sins that you are responsible for and that I'm responsible for. And that puts us all in the same boat. We all look very much the same before God. We need so badly for God to do something with our sin. He wants us as a holy God to be holy when we relate to him. He wants us to be one with him in our holiness. But we have not been able to do that on our own. And so if you're out there today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, one of the things I'm sure of, 100% is that you have not been able to live exactly as God wants you to do. And try as you might, you're not going to successfully live out your life before God. There is nothing you can do, actually, to prevent that. You might think you can. You might think, well, if I go to church, if I go and meet with these people at the Calvary Church of Christ at 4030 Maryvale, maybe that will do it. Maybe I'll just be good enough by going to church and joining with these people that that's going to get me over the hump and God is going to look at me with favor. The problem is, is that along with all of the rest of the people here, coming to church on Sunday morning will not do it. 
In fact, I don't know one person in the history of the world, not one person in the history of the world who ever was saved because they came to church on Sunday morning. There has never been one ever. And Peter goes on and talks about why that's the case. It's because sin separates us from God. We're not at all what God wants us to be. We find ourselves standing apart from him. And so by the time you get to the end of Peter's sermon, there's a very clear statement about where human beings stand as these people recognize their own position. Look at verse 36. Peter says to them, therefore, let all Israel, all these people who are hearing this sermon for the first time, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And their particular sin was that they had crucified the Lord of glory. Your sin is something different. And mine is something different. Although the fact is, is that it is our sins that ultimately lead to Jesus being put on the cross. But God has a standard for us. God has a desire for us. He wants us to live holy before him. And there isn't anybody in the room today who is not guilty of violating that holiness. There is no one here who stands close enough to God that somehow God looks at you and says, this person doesn't need Jesus. All of us instead stand separated from him. And their sin was in crucifying the Lord of glory. And they totally get it when Peter tells them, That they have done this. Look at verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And I'm hoping, I'm praying, that if you're a person today who doesn't know Christ, that this is in fact your response. That the response you have before the Lord of glory is to say, what have I done? And about this, what am I going to do? Where do I turn from here? Can you imagine being in a boat? If you've ever been to Niagara Falls and Horseshoe Falls. Traveling down the river. And all of a sudden, seeing the steam, hearing the roar of the water going over the falls, being in that boat and feeling like there's absolutely nothing that you can do. I've not been there. I can imagine it. At Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe, where I have been, There are some pools just on the upstream side of the falls. And you can wade out into the fairly shallow river and swim in these pools that are just right there poised above the falls. I have watched that and wondered what would happen if these people slipped Would the water carry them over the falls? The feeling of being somehow out of those pools 
and up in a position in the river where the water really could carry you over the edge, the feeling would be of utter, absolute panic. As one thinks about plunging over those falls. I don't know how high they are. They're high. I know they're a half a mile wide. It's, it's unbelievable to think about the fall and, and just the uncontrollable anxiety, panic that would be there as you're poised to go over those falls and you can't do anything about it. Now, we don't usually think of our own sin that way, but really that's what it's like. If you're a person who hasn't given your life to Jesus, there's a sense in which you stand in a stream or float on a stream in a boat with this uncontrollable power pushing you along and you have absolutely no means of preventing yourself from going over the falls. And suddenly, there is a hand or a rope or a line. Something that comes to you and saves you from what is inevitable. And that's what Jesus does for us. We are unable in any way to keep ourselves from going over the falls of death. And Jesus comes and through his death on the cross, plucks you from the river and gives you an opportunity for life and for godliness. And so when these people say, what in the world are we going to do? The answer is nothing. In a sense, there is nothing that you can do. But then, fortunately, Peter gives another kind of answer. He presents an alternative. He presents words here that have to be the best words that anybody has ever heard. Because they want to know what they're going to do to get out of this river And this current, this force that leads to death. And Peter says, there is a way. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, if you happen to have been raised in churches of Christ, those words are probably written on the back of your skull on the inside, if we were to look. Without doubt, those are the most preached words in the history of the churches of Christ. I've heard stories about people driving along in one of our university or college vans and another van pulls up alongside them and there's no writing on the side of that van. And so the van that has no marking on it can't communicate to the other people that they happen to be from sister schools. And so somebody just holds up a placard in the window that says Acts 238 and everybody gets it. This is our verse. This is the verse in one sense in which our churches have been built. This call to respond to Jesus in this way. And so because it is so well known among us, it it can be lost a bit on us, the significance of the verse. But if you're a person here today who doesn't know Christ, if you're caught in that stream 
And it powerfully is taking you toward the falls. And you can't remove sin from your own life. Then how is it going to be removed? And Peter gives us the means. It was the means in the very beginning. It's the means right now. Repent. Which simply means to change. It simply means that you're traveling one direction and you decide to turn around and go exactly in the opposite direction. And so I'm standing on the top of the Calgary Tower and I'm watching a car come down ninth, and it's going maybe way too fast and there's no other car. So it's going 100 kilometers an hour right in front of the tower. And then all of a sudden it slams on the brakes and turns around and goes in exactly the opposite direction just as fast as it was coming. That's what it means to repent. And your life can be like that. If you don't know Jesus today, you can know him. If you haven't given yourself to Christ, you can give yourself to Christ. There's no reason why you can't. And it's the most blessed thing there is to give yourself to Jesus. And so you give yourself to Christ and turn your life around. And then Peter says, be baptized. And there's so many good reasons why a person would want to be immersed If we were looking at Romans 6 today, we'd see there was an identification that takes place between individuals and Christ when we're baptized into him. If we looked at 1 Peter 3.21, we'd see that baptism has a direct connection to our being saved in him. If we looked at Galatians 3.26, we'd see that we're clothed with Christ through the act of baptism. There's so many things that make us in him, clothed with him, make us his children because of this act of baptism, the connection that is there between ourselves and God because of baptism. And so he calls you to that if you don't know Jesus today. Turn your life around and be baptized, he says. And then, he says, there's a direct, specific promise that comes to you when you decide to do that. And that is that the Holy Spirit comes to you even as your sins are being forgiven. And so your sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit enters your life and makes you absolutely new. Like you've never been new before. And as I said, he, Peter specifically mentions in the passage that this is for you and your children and all who are far off, whomever the Lord our God will call, which means that it's for everybody to respond to the Lord In exactly this way. And so this morning. I don't know where you're at. I know today. That there are people among us. Who don't know Christ. As their Lord and Savior. I know that's a fact. And I want to encourage you. This morning. To be baptized today. To repent and give your life to Christ today. I encourage you and exhort you to do that. If not today, then I hope you do it tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, then the next day. You're in that stream headed for the falls. And this is the opportunity. This is the chance for you to be plucked free from sin. And to know Christ as your savior. To repent of your sins. To be baptized into Christ. To receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This could indeed be yours even today. If you're willing to give your heart to Jesus and I pray that you do. For those of you who already knew all that. I think there is still in this passage. A call. An exhortation. 
an example whereby the things that Peter says are to be said by us. It's not just my responsibility to stand up on a Sunday morning and say these things. People might get tired of my voice. It's your responsibility also to say these things. And God has made you a witness, even as he has made me a witness. And I hope that you also take that call seriously this morning to be his witness. Robin has a friend uh, at work. We've been praying for her. Robin's known her now for a long time. Name is Janelle. And Janelle's been going through a, a crisis in her life. Some of you may be here today who don't know Christ and also have been going through what we might call as a crisis. And I just want to tell you that the one who will lift you out of that crisis, if not take the crisis away from you, but will at least allow you to get through it. And who will enable you to get through the crisis of sin that holds us all back. That one calls you today. My wife has the blessed privilege on a regular basis of sharing that message with Janelle. I'm hoping, I'm praying that she will one day respond the way that I'm calling you to respond this morning. Oh, I pray she does. But you have that chance right now, today, to respond that way. I pray you do. Would you bow with me, please? Holy Father, there are people today here who are not yet free from sin as your Son can set them free. And Father, whether they know it or not, they're caught in that stream. And ultimately, staying in that stream means going over the falls. And so today I want to pray, God, a special blessing of you on the hearts of people who need you. Father, I pray that you'd help them to understand where they stand before you, caught in this position of sinfulness, caught in a position that leads to death. And Father, I pray that you would move them, lead them, help them to understand through your spirit working on their hearts that they need to respond to you, that repentance Baptism, those can be realities in their lives and therefore forgiveness of sin and the coming of the Holy Spirit can be real to them. Work this miracle in their lives today and enable them to be forgiven, pure, clean children of yours, pl plucked from the river 
to join you. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.